again, we just appreciate you all being here, um, taking time uh, on this weekend. Um, we pray every week, I pray every week that this would be like the best, um, you know, the best hour and a half of, of your week, you know, because, you know, God wants to speak to us, you know, and um, nothing happens by accident. And you know, I just get so excited because uh, God brings us together, God brings you here, God brings me here uh, for a specific reason and a purpose, you know, and we don't know what that purpose is until we get here, you know, and... Um, it's just exciting. So let's pray. Let's ask God for some help as we continue our campaign, our series, you know, Not a Fan. And uh, let's pray. Father, we are grateful. As um, Max was saying, just um, so thankful and blessed for all the men and women uh, who have served and who have given their lives uh, for our freedom. Uh, thank you just for their sacrifice that we can experience. We just, <laughs> we take it for granted so often. And just like we take for granted um, your death, Jesus, on that cross for all of us, that we live in, in the freedom and the truth and the, the hope of, of your resurrection, and sometimes we forget all about it, we just take it for granted. Pray that you would give us a greater sense of, of that reality in our lives. I pray today that your Holy Spirit would speak to us in a very powerful and personal way. That it wouldn't be my words, it would really truly be your words speaking to us. And so we ask, Lord, that um, you would open our hearts, that we open our hearts to you. We open our minds to you, our ears and our eyes. And we say, you know, Come, Holy Spirit, speak to us today. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, I've been thinking about, you know, we've been, this is um, week seven. You know, we're going to be kind of finishing it all up next week. But I've been kind of thinking about, you know, what has God been trying to say to us? What has God been trying to say to you? What has God been trying to say to me over these last um, seven weeks? You know, for those of you, maybe you're here for the first time or, or you know, this is, you know, you're just kind of really new to the church. Uh, we've been on this eight-week campaign, and we call it a campaign where we have people in small groups going through journals and things like that. Um, but it's like a series where, 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 you know, God is challenging us, God is encouraging, encouraging us to move beyond just being people who know about Jesus, people who are fans of Jesus, and really becoming true followers of Jesus, um, because that's what he calls us to do, to pick up our cross and to follow him. And, um, you know, I'm just praying uh, that, that all of us would, would, would just sense God's call on us, his, his exhortation, his encouragement to go beyond where we are, that no matter where we are in our adventure of following Jesus, that, that he would, over these you know, last seven weeks and this next couple weeks to come and even beyond throughout this year, that we would grow beyond where we are because the truth is there's, there's like areas of fanness in all of us, right? No one's um, a full, total follower. But I'm just praying that, that God would so encourage you that you would take some steps because we're not talking about religion. You know, we're not talking about rules and, and things we do or don't do. It's all about a relationship. It's all about following Jesus. And um, 
you know, I accepted Jesus as my Savior in 1974, um, you know, when I was born. Um, but actually, I was a junior in high school. Some of you are like, born? No, can't be. Yeah, no, when I was a junior in high school, and um, yeah, don't do the math. I'm 61 years old, all right? So I don't want to like say, okay, don't, yeah, no. Um, but I was junior high school, and, and to be really, really honest, that um, I, I, and I've said this before, I, I accepted Jesus as my Savior. He was like my insurance policy, you know, that, that I, I just did not want to go to that awful place called hell. And if it, if it meant and it took accepting Jesus as my Savior, um, that's, what I, um, um, that's what I did. That's what I needed to do. That's what it was I, I was going to do that. And um, for the next five years, you know, I look back on that season of my life, um, I really was living the life of a fan, you know, a fan of Jesus, where I would do my own thing. You know, nothing really changed in my life, really. I, I was doing my own thing, and I would, from time to time, just kind of pray and hope that somehow God would, would bless me. I was at that stage where it wasn't so much what I could do for God, it was what God could do for me, and things that I was doing, God, will you bless? Will you bless this? Will you bless... You know, and um, those five years, as I look back, were just a really tough time in uh, my life. You know, that a time when you know you're supposed to be looking forward. You got your whole adult life in front of you, and all these you know dreams and hopes and all that kind of stuff. Um, I looked at my life back then; it was just nothing but dead ends. It seemed as though it was a season of dead ends. You know, like relationally, I I'd ended a relationship. Um, uh, vocationally, I was lost. You know, um, you know, I had hopes of what I, what I wanted to do, could do, and there I was um, working part time um, at this wonderful place called Pizza Hut, and I'm, I'm there, and um, I just looked, and it was like, man, even with a college education, and I had like the the most prestigious um, uh, degree. At um, and major at the University of Hawaii. You know, I was a communications major. Uh, me and, and the rest of the uh, and the football, basketball, and ba- baseball guys. And um, you know, there's no harder uh, major at UH than a communications degree. You know, that's that's what I'm told by those guys. But um, you know, nothing was happening. You know, it was uh, it was hard. My friends were were moving forward in their dreams. You know, and uh, a high school friend, and, and he was well on his way to becoming a doctor and a couple lawyer guys, and, and here I was, just stuck, you know, and it was just a really tough time, and, and it seemed like God, God wasn't there, and, and the truth was, I was kind of expecting the blessings and, and the adventure in life that, that, um, that people who are walking as followers of Jesus would experience, but I was just kind of living as a fan. And over the years, what I, what I found out that one of the biggest challenges, if not the biggest challenge for, for, for people and, and for me, has been really believing that in all things, that in all the things that go on in our lives, that to believe that Jesus really is enough, you know, to, 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 to live with the faith and believe that Jesus alone is enough. And... Um, you know, was Jesus enough? That was the question. You know, when um, I couldn't see how we could make it, I could make it financially, 
you know, over the years and getting married and how do we make it financially even, even for a month, you know? Is Jesus enough when um, our daughter undergoes emergency surgery at, at 10 months old, you know? Um, uh, is Jesus enough when, when I'm going through um, major crises? Is Jesus enough when your father dies at 53 years old and of a sudden heart attack? Is Jesus enough? Um, is, is Jesus enough when you start a church and you just don't know where you're even going to meet? You know you're supposed to start a church, but you don't know where you're going to meet. Is Jesus enough? That, um, is Jesus enough when we don't have the money uh, to do what we believe God is calling us to and, and, and to pay the people who we believe God has called us to hire is Jesus enough? Is Jesus enough when you're counseling a couple on the verge of divorce? You know that, man, it just doesn't seem like there's any honesty. Is Jesus enough? Is Jesus enough when, when you need to encourage a family that just lost their newborn son? You know, I can go on and on. Is Jesus alone enough? That in any situation, in every circumstance that we go through in our lives, is Jesus really enough? Is he, is he all the help we need, or do we need to somehow help him? And for so long, I lived like, you know, yeah, Jesus, he's God, and, you know, he created the world with the word and all that. But I live as though Jesus needed my help somehow. You know, it's like when you ride on a plane, right? Some of you are like me. You can't sleep on the plane. And why can't you sleep? Because someone needs to help the pilot fly the plane, right? Because he just can't do it on his own. And so you got to step. You got to make sure everything's okay. You look out there, okay, the wing seems to be flapping a little more than it, I think it should. What is that liquid coming out? You know, whatever. They need our help, right? And, and a lot of times in life, we live like that. I've lived like that, where I trust Jesus to a point. But you come to a certain point, I, you know, he, he needs help. And he alone isn't enough. And as I look back on my adventure of, of following Jesus, time and time again, in so many ways, he's encouraged me. He's shown me that he is enough. That, that not only is he enough, that he's more than enough. And, and, and the issue isn't wondering and worrying if Jesus is enough. The real issue is is are we going to walk as his followers and to putting ourselves in a position to really experience that, yeah, he's enough, that, that he's more than enough. And, and it's, it's all about, over time and in all these situations, it, it's, it's, I realize it really is about defining our relationship with Jesus. And as we come to the end of this campaign, some of you might be feeling the way I did in, you know, 1974 to 1979, you know, that, um, that you've, you've been feeling like, man, it's, it's rough. It's been tough. And uh, over the last so many weeks, maybe God has been nudging on your heart to uh, just encourage you to say, man, isn't it time? Isn't it time to... To define, to really define your relationship with him. That, that Jesus encourages, Jesus offers, Jesus invites, he loves, but he, and he exhorts, but he's never going to force us to do anything. You know, that's the amazing thing. If, if I died on the cross for all of you, 
you guys owe me, man. I'm going to make sure, right? If I got to force you, I'm going to do whatever. But Jesus never forces us. He invites, he exhorts, he encourages, and he just waits. And he said, will you take this time? As you've seen me come through in your life, will you take this time to, to really define your relationship with me? That is more than just coming church. You know, it's more than just serving and doing things. You know, going on a short-term mission, serving in a ministry week after week after week, that in and of itself does not define your relationship with him. It's all about your connection. And in John chapter 6, Jesus' popularity was just skyrocketing. I mean, just like, you know, he was... He was beginning to walk in his ministry. Word was spreading about all the healings and the miracles that he was doing. People were just astounded by the way he taught. And huge crowds were gathering just to follow Jesus, to cheer him on, to see what he was going to do. And in this chapter, you know, we're told, and pretty familiar, most everyone here knows, that um, uh, there was about five, in one situation, there was about 5,000 men gathered. And that was just, he did his count of the men. There was children and, and women there as well, probably about 15,000 people there. After a full day, Jesus knew that the people were getting hungry. He turns to his 12 disciples and says, hey, guys, uh, why don't you go feed, uh, feed the crowd of 15,000 here? They look at themselves, how are we going to do that? One disciple, Philip, says, you know, even if we had eight months worth of salary and wages, that wouldn't enough to buy bread for everyone there to even have a bite. You know, another disciple, Andrew, said, okay, I found a boy. You know, the boy has some fish, five loaves of bread and two small fish. And so Jesus took that guy's lunch, took the boy's lunch, and uh, I'm sure he asked first, um, and then um, got got the stuff, and he fed the entire crowd, 15,000 people, with plenty of food left over. And you can imagine you're in that crowd, and you're like, man, getting hungry. You don't expect anything. And Jesus is like, hey, look, hey, there's food coming around. And you're just eating and eating, and I'm full. And you look, there's like baskets full left. And you're thinking, whoa, look at this guy. I've seen miracles. I've seen this. He teaches really great, and now he's feeding us, and it's great. And so after dinner, a lot of the crowd decided, most of the crowd decided they're going to hang around. And they're going to camp out the night so that they can be with Jesus when the next day starts. Because it was like, man, this is like great, you know. And um, the next morning, they get up, probably hungry, and they begin to look for Jesus. But he's nowhere to be found. And eventually, they figure out, they find out that he had crossed over uh, to the other side of the lake. And so they make their way there just to be with Jesus. They go through all this effort just to be with him, just to see uh, what he will be doing next. And, and you know, maybe, um, you know, you look at them and think, wow, they're pretty committed. They didn't just go home. You know, they went looking for him. And when they found out he was all on the other side of the, the lake, they all made that, maybe they were committed. Maybe they were more than just fans after all, you know. But, but, but after, you know, instead of feeding everyone again, Jesus takes time, and this is really cool. 
He, instead of just, okay, you guys hungry for breakfast? Who wants, what you want, what do you want for breakfast? You know? I would have said, you know, egg white delight from McDonald's. You know? Sort of healthy. Maybe a yogurt parfait on the side. But, but Jesus didn't feed them, but he takes this time to have a DTR talk with them, to find the relationship, talk with them. And, and in this talk, I believe that, that God has um, some things that he wants to speak to all of us about this morning. And if you got your notes, you can follow along in there. It should be on the screen. But the first thing is when Jesus is the only thing on the menu, yeah? When Jesus is the only thing on the menu, you find out if he's the one that you're really hungry for. When all you got is Jesus, when all there is is Jesus, you really begin to find out. You begin to know if Jesus really is the one that you've been looking after, you're the one that you're hungry for. You know, many people had gone through all this trouble to follow Jesus. You know, but why were they following him? You know, um, were they following him because he was the promised Messiah? Or was, were they following him because, you know, they were kind of curious, like, man, what is he going to do next? This is like great. Or for some personal benefit, man, I could use some healing. You know, I could use some hope in my life. You know, or were they there for the food? John 6, verse 26, 27 says, Jesus tells them, I tell you the truth. Because he's beginning this talk with this DTR talk with them. I tell you the truth. You want to be with me because I fed you. Not because you understand the miraculous signs. But don't be so concerned about perishable things like food. Spend your energy seeking the eternal life that the Son of God, Son of Man can give you. For God the Father has given me the seal of his approval. And what he's saying is like, guys, there's more to life. And there's just more to you and me than you just getting free food from me, is what he's saying. And so the crowd... You know, in verse 28, it says, they reply, we want you, we want to perform, like you, we want to perform God's work too. What should we do, right? Yeah, they seem to be interested. It seems like they're willing to go a little further. So he makes it clear in verse 29. He says, this is the only work God wants from you. Only work. Believe in the one he has sent. Jesus is saying, following him starts by believing that he is, that Jesus is who he said he is. He's believing that he's the promised Messiah, that he's the Savior of the world. And the crowd's response, verse 30. Okay? Now, they're having this talk, this DTR talk. He's engaging with this crowd. And they say, show us a miraculous sign if you want us to believe in you. What was he doing? Up to that point, show us a miraculous sign if you want us to believe in you. What can you do? After all, our ancestors ate manna while they journeyed through the wilderness. Still thinking about food, you know? The scripture said, Moses gave them bread from heaven to eat. Yeah? Show us what you can do. Uh, as if you don't know, our ancestors had bread from heaven. Show us, right? They're saying, we believe. And if you show us more stuff, we'll really believe. And 
It didn't matter that they had experienced that miraculous dinner just hours before the night before. It didn't matter that they saw all the miracles that Jesus had done. They wanted more. To which Jesus answers. I tell you the truth in verse 32. I tell you the truth. Moses didn't give you bread from heaven. My father did. And now he offers you the true bread from heaven. The true bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives light and life to the world. And the crowd, hearing all this and begin to hear more, they begin to show their motivation for why they are there. Verse 34, sir, they said, give us that bread every day. That's what we want. And they want something. They're there because they want something from Jesus. And it's interesting to me, they didn't address him as they should have as rabbi, teacher, or, or lord. See, who he was wasn't really important to them. To them, he's just sir. Because it wasn't important. What was important to them was to satisfy their hunger, to enrich their lives. And, 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 and Jesus gets to the point of it all. He's saying, look. In verse 35, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. And, and, he, and he's saying, you know, I'm the bread of life, that I've come to give you life. I didn't come to give you things. I didn't come to give you what you want. I came to give you what you really, really need. And if you would believe, and if you would follow me, you will never be hungry again. You will be satisfied. You will be content with your life. Because if you follow me, what he's saying, that I will be enough. And he's saying, am I enough? But would that be enough for the people? They had to decide for themselves, right? If if Jesus really was enough? Were they hanging around just to get something from him? And so the crowd, you know, they're like, wow, what is, what is he talking about? And Jesus goes on to say, I'm the bread. You have to eat my body, you know, all these things. And they're like, okay, you know what? This, this is odd. This is strange. And, and they began to question if Jesus really was who he said he was. And they were there really hanging out so long as they could get something from them. But when Jesus was calling them to something more than what they wanted to give, they answered this in verse 66. At this point, Jesus says, I'm not giving you guys no more food. I didn't come to give you food. I came to give you life, that I am the bread of life. If you would but follow me. You'll never be thirsty. You'll never be hungry again. At this point, many of his disciples turned away and deserted him. They decided, they made a decision that Jesus wasn't enough. That when he was the only thing on the menu, he wasn't what they were hungry for. They liked the miracles. 
they, they liked the bread. They loved the free show. But when Jesus takes all that off the table and offers himself to them, they weren't interested. Jesus wasn't enough. And in 1979, I had a DTR moment with Jesus. You know, I would probably say that was, that was the turning point of my life. You know, my life was a mess. You know, there was nothing really left for me. You know, I just, you know, I just felt like I was destined to work at Pizza Hut for the rest of my life. Kind of grim, you know, for me. You know, uh, one night while working there, you know, I, I was just at the end of me. You know, that I, I came to the point that the only thing on the menu that I could see was Jesus. You know, and I remember saying, you know, I just remember the word just came out of my mouth. I just said, God, you win. God, you win. You know, that I just cannot go on living like this. I've tried and tried my best to do things my way. You know, that and if I continue the future, there's nothing in my future. And I remember saying, you know what, I quit. This moment on, I, I'm making a decision. I'm choosing to follow you. That whatever that means, that I'm choosing to to do things your way, and I'm choosing to trust you for everything in my life. And, and I look back in 1979, I look back and I said, you know, that's when my life as a follower of Christ really began. That, that um, when there was no more options, when all there was was Jesus, that's when my life as a follower of Christ began. Because when there was nothing else on the menu except Jesus, I just realized that's what I was hungry for. See? And, and that's what he's trying to say to this crowd. That's what he's saying to us. When there's nothing left on your menu, when all, you, all the other options are gone, is Jesus going to be enough? Is Jesus is the one that you're really hungry for? That's when you find out who Jesus is to you. And the thing is, when you begin to know Jesus for who he really is, you just don't want to leave him. That when you begin to know Jesus for who he really is, not just getting free stuff, you really don't want to leave him. Jesus, in John 6, verse 67, he then turns to his 12 disciples, and he asks them, time for you guys to define your relationship. And he says, are you going to leave too? Are you guys also going to leave? You know, he just saw a whole bunch of people leave. But his closest friends and disciples turned to be fans, turned out to be fans who weren't willing to really follow. Their response, verse 68, Simon Peter replied, Lord, not sir, Lord, Lord, to whom would we go? You and you alone. That's what it says, you and you alone have the words that give eternal life. We believe and we know that you are the Holy One of God. They began to follow Jesus a few years ago, a few months ago maybe. And when everything was off the menu except for Jesus, they said, Who else, where else are we going to go? There's no one that has the words of eternal life except to you, except for you. And they made a decision to follow. And when you make that decision to follow, you begin to see that Jesus really is enough. 
and you just never want to leave. And his life gets tough, having little religion is enough. You know, suddenly the spectacle, the, the, the fish, the loaves, an inspiring worship service, whatever it is, just doesn't cut it. Because in those challenging moments and challenging times, a follower sees that Jesus is all they need, and he becomes their hope. And from that evening in Pizza Hut, my life began to change. It didn't happen like overnight, like dramatic, like, whoa. No, it kind of happened on the inside. And God began to make changes, and I could sense there was changes in my life. The most important thing was I just had a hunger for, to know Jesus more. I just had this hunger to know him more. And I, and I, and I would just devour the Bible. You know, I, there was like these Bible courses. I just took those at this Christian college here. I took classes to there because I was hungry. You know, I was hungry. And I still had challenges. I experienced tough times, but I really began to see that Jesus was enough, that he was more than enough. And, and, and when I began to see that, and when you began to, when you begin to see that, it's like, man, leaving him is the furthest thing from your mind. And so those disciples, they said, who else are we, where else are we going to go? And they began, and they continued to follow him. They continued to follow him. And then if you look, the third point is this. When you begin to follow Jesus, he will prove to you that he is more than enough. Not only will you not want to leave, he's going to show you over and over and over again that, man, he is more than enough. And that DTR moment was a pivotal time in the life of those disciples. Little did they know that Jesus would soon be crucified, that he would die. And they would all scatter. Peter would even deny knowing who Jesus was. But when they chose to follow Jesus, over and over and over again, Jesus would prove to them that he was more than enough. That even when they scattered, Jesus, when he resurrected, he went looking for them. He went to Peter. And here's Peter, failing miserably earlier, he gets the privilege of, of, of delivering the first message after the Holy Spirit came upon them and the church began, that, that Peter got to deliver. This one who said, I don't know who that guy is. God says, no, I know who you are. And he gave the inaugural message in this church that began 2,000 years ago and it continues today. Jesus proved over and over that he is more than enough. And being a follower of Christ ain't easy. You know, it really isn't, but he is the only answer. See, Chris and Becky Shinnick, you know, who I, um, we prayed for last week, last couple weeks, you know, they're going through one of those tough times, um, really tough times. You know, they found out, you know, months into their pregnancy, baby's supposed to uh, come in July, I believe, something like that that their fourth child, um, that child would probably not survive more than you know, a few hours if he ever you know, even survived uh, the delivery. And the reality of the situation really is Jesus is the only thing on the menu. Jesus is the only hope. And there's no other hope. And so many questions um, just flooded their minds. But they're not thinking of blaming Jesus. I've never heard them 
that, you know, I don't know why God is doing this to us. No. They're not thinking of leaving Jesus. Like, man, Jesus would do this. We're out of here. No. They're drawing even closer to him. And for the cynics, Jesus is enough. And he is. And they're experiencing his love and faithfulness. They just bought a house in Florida where they're planning that church. And um, they thought, I talked to Chris, Chris said, you know, we, we'd figure that we'd be moving in right about now. And he said, boy, that would have been rough. But miracle, miracle, God opened door after door, and they were able to move in uh, right um, before Easter. And they thank him for that. They were able to go on this really great family vacation, and they thank God for his provisions. And now during this time, um, Jesus assigned you know, a, a key nurse in this whole process. This key nurse is a friend of Becky's all the way back from Moanalo High School where they were cheerleaders together there. And it's like God says, I'm going to handpick someone that you need. And, and who would have thought, right, on the other side of the country, their lead nurse, their key, that key nurse is going to be this, this friend of Becky's. Jesus is enough. Now, what do followers of Jesus, true followers of Jesus, what do they sound like in times like this? Past week, Becky um, posted something on Instagram. Powerful. This is what she says. I've been trying to share about baby number four for a month since we learned during a routine ultrasound at 22 weeks um, that he had many congenital birth defects, including a missing limb, conjoined, uh, conjoined uh, kidneys, ambiguous uh, genitalia, edema, and a congenital diaphragmatic hernia. Another ultrasound with a maternal fetal specialist further confirmed these findings, and at that time, the prognosis was Lysander, that's the son's name, would most likely not survive a full pregnancy or long after an early birth. So she asked, how, how, how do I carry a supposedly dying baby? How do we tell our three older children, kids, their little brother is possibly going to die? For a month, we grieved and hurt, and of course, life went on. We also find, found that there is still joy in life, in being with each other through the kindness of others, in the nearness of God that seems to deepen when one's heart feels utterly smashed. This past Monday, this past Monday, after we all prayed and you know, people have been praying, this past Monday, the latest ultrasound showed boy parts, two separate kidneys, and an active one-pound baby boy who likes to touch his toes to his forehead. Future cheerleader, I guess. Be uncooperative with the ultrasound tech, and yet stood still long enough for us to see his heart is structurally sound for now, beating strong. The Sanders diaphragmatic hernia is still of grave concern, but it seems that while before we thought we could only wait for an impending death, it is not over just yet. As long as his heart stays strong, his lungs develop, and I stay pregnant, the Sander seems to have a fighting chance. We will probably face surgeries and an intense and extensive medical journey 
but it's not over yet. For now, we continue to wait to see how Lysander's heart and lungs grow, how this pregnancy progresses, and as always, the goodness and faithfulness of our God that prevails no matter our circumstances. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And she writes, to be continued. Yep, to be continued. When you follow Jesus, when you truly follow Jesus, when he's the only thing on the menu, and you find out that, that, that he really is the one that you're hungering for, that, that when you follow Jesus, he will prove to you that he is more than enough. That's the joy of, of following this Jesus who is enough. And my encouragement to you as we you know, finish up this campaign is, is to keep, is to really to keep taking steps as a follower of Jesus, to take time to get to really know him. And when you do, you will not want to leave him. Take steps to follow him even in those difficult times. Because you will experience for yourself, like Chris and Becky, like so many others are experiencing, that Jesus, even in those situations, Jesus is enough. And he will prove that to you. It's true, we don't know when our health might fail. We don't know when our finances might plummet. We don't know when we'll have an emergency like the Shinnicks, you know. But, but even though we don't know the day, we know the name. We know the name. And his name is Jesus. And by that name and his name alone, we're saved. And from the very beginning, throughout this campaign, the question is, are you a fan or are you a follower of Jesus? Because the answer to that question that all of us need to answer is, is that answer to that question really and truly will set the course for the rest of your life. For the rest of your life. Life doesn't make the guarantees that we want. It doesn't. Even followers of Jesus go through tough times. But, but Jesus guarantees that if you put your trust in him, he will never fail you. That if you put your trust in him, Jesus guarantees that he will guide you into an eternity with God the Father. And all those guarantees really are, are, are for the followers who refuse to leave his side. For the followers who say, to whom would we go? You and you alone have the words of eternal life. We believe and know that you are the Holy One sent from God. Jesus will prove that he's enough, that he's more than enough. The question is, are we going to hang on to that? Are we going to believe that? Are we going to live as a follower of Christ and say no matter what, in all situations, Jesus is enough. And when you live like that, you will begin to see. When I read Becky's post, 
What she's saying is, it ain't over yet. What she's saying is, this challenge is not over yet. But neither is the hope. It ain't over yet. What is God going to do? Keep praying. I believe that God, we're in a season. I'm believing more and more. I, I've never had more faith than I do right now that, that God's healing power is available to us. That we've just got to speak the word. We just got to believe. We got to believe God for cancer. We got to believe God for babies in the condition that Lysander is in. And God will hear us because he is enough. He is enough. So why don't you you stand? Call the worship team up. And I want to say this. That's kind of good when you get some clapping during the message. You all should do that more often. And amen would help. But I'll tell you this, yeah, that the question is, are you a, a fan or a follower? Are you going to say Jesus is enough? It starts with you making a decision to follow him. Now, some of you have been coming, and you come to church, and you like what you, you experience. You feel good when you come to service, and, you know, all this stuff. But it starts with us making a decision to say, Jesus, Jesus, you're enough. I accept you as my Savior. I'm going to follow you as my Lord, and I'm going to pray. And, you know, I want to, I want to make sure that you're right there, you know. And so we're going to pray together, and I'm just going to pray. Just kind of agree with me as I pray. And then I tell you what, if you pray, you know, God is going to hear you. And you'll begin to experience that he is truly more than enough. So let's pray. And Father, thank you so much for your love for us, for your love for me. And I come to you now, and I say, I need help. You know, my life, it could be so much better. In fact, right now, I might be going through some really tough times. And so I look to Jesus, and I say, Jesus, Jesus, will you come now to be my Savior? I receive you as my Savior. I believe. I believe in my heart that, yeah, I need a Savior, and you're him. And from this day, I make a decision that as best as I know how, with as much faith that I have, I'm going to choose to follow you. That I want to live, and I want to see, and I want to experience the reality that you, Jesus, are more than enough for me. That I've looked, and man, there's nothing left on my menu except you, Jesus. I'm hungering after you. Will you come and meet me where I am and be my Savior? I want to follow you as my Lord. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed, yeah, right down the table outside, there's these little packet um, gift. It's a gift, right? Grab one. And I would say grab one. If you prayed that, you believe that in your heart, say, yep, that's me, and today's the day for you, grab one. Why grab one? Because it's a way of, by faith, you say, God, maybe this is the first step. I got to get to know who you are. 
I, I you get a, a New Testament here. You get a little thing here to explain some of the steps you take. Grab one, okay? Just go out there, just grab one. It's regularly 30 bucks. Today is free for you. You know, it's always free. <laughs> anyway, all right? So do that.